Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What's good, y'all, and welcome to In the Deep, a deeply focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm doing well. It's a it's a big week down here in Raleigh, uh, in, in the Schwebzy household and in the city, because, well, in, in this household specifically, I got a new microphone. I don't know. I don't know if y'all can tell at home. And I said y'all, so you can see, you can hear the North Carolina slowly, slowly taking over. But I, I don't know if you guys can tell, but we got a new microphone. So if you happen to hear more chair creaks and and He's making them mouth, happen on purpose and mouth noises, um, that's that's because of my my new microphone, which I've I've configured to catch every little you know uh breath and 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 tongue smack every every the 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 fan whirring in the background because i want to make jordan's life as hard as possible within the editing process shrubsy trying to just like be very intimate with our listeners and be like hey pretty mama let me whisper in you (laughs) this is an asmr (laughs) slash fantasy baseball podcast oh god my chair just squeaked what how does that like why is my chair squeaking now too do you think we can get one of those uh one of those devices where you like suck on an ear? Don't nope. I guarantee no? I guarantee you that well, I mean, can we expense that actually? If we can expense it, then sure. I mean, to the government, yes. To to Nick Peter Pollock, probably not. What if what um, if what if what if what, <laughs> what, what if both? Uh and then out outside of this household. I went to my first ever card show today. Ah, yes. Uh, I d- never actually asked you. Did you get any goodies while you were there? So I did not. Today, it, today was the first day of a three-day card show in Raleigh, and I had to work. So I, I worked for most of the day, and after taking care of a little puppy emergency, I snuck over to the card show at the very tail end of the day. I was there for about two hours and i wasn't like i wasn't ready for the scope of a like legitimate card show like there there's like fit figure like 50 tables there sure something like that and like if you want to like actually like look through the inventory of 50 card collectors that takes a lot of time see this is the thing that bugs me is i feel like a lot of places have stuff i mean well for me it's like i'm used to going to like nerd events like magic the gathering tournaments where it's like everything is sorted by set in binders and you can just ask them for the binder of that set and it's just like okay yeah here you go but there's only like compared to 
the hundreds of different sets of cards that come out every single year. There's like four sets of Magic the Gathering cards. But I also figured that there would be like some sort of electronic way to kind of like organize and reference your cards too. That would be a nightmare to to do yourself. But like there, there's some collectors who are like, yes, here here are my cards organized by team. And that's sure. easy. That's great. But then there's like your vintage collectors who have been collecting cards for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. There's no way to organize that well. They organize it by year and that's the like really the best you can do with that. And it's like, do I do I need to look through like your 87 tops finest cards? No. The the vintage table I'm not a vintage collector, so those tables I can mostly skip over. But it's it's wild. I'm I'm afflicted by decision paralysis in these situations. So today I, I left with nothing, but tomorrow I, I'm hoping to have a better plan of attack so I can actually pick up some goodies. I did there there was one collector in particular who organized his who who collected mostly modern, like the last like ten years. Yeah. And organized his cards by team so it was actually easy to pick through Mm -hmm. and i i found some goodies for both myself and you which i will be picking up tomorrow should i i've got a i've got i'm gonna have a little pack care package coming your way after this card show Yeah, very selfishly i hope that there is a uh something coming my way because i asked you to look for stuff for me and i appreciate you doing that um I still have to send you because I'm a bad friend and a bad co-host. Remember the story I told like a while back about how I got Pete Alonzo's autograph? Still haven't sent it to Schwebzy. It's still <laughs> in an envelope on my desk because I forgot to take... I literally went to the post office post office like three days ago to submit something for PSA to get some cards graded. And I did not bring the package to send to Schwebzy like a jerk. Do you want to know how many Pete Alonzo autographs I saw at this show? None zero yeah not a one yeah that sounds it's because you have them all already i've <laughs> been hoarding them. you know i i actually i saw very few modern player autographs in general like i i saw like very like uh, m- many fewer like prospect autographs than i expected uh yeah just it, i'm i'm a little bit surprised like what what i collect apparently is very much not what your 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 average card collector collects i guess no uh, yeah, you have like a dragon's horde of Pete Alonzo cards. That is the, true. The metallation of smog, if you will. I kind of want to, as a meme, just get my own table there. Maybe, maybe next year. Just, just, just you can show off your cards. But, basically, hey, yeah. Look, hey, hey, look, look at all my cool stuff. I'm going to pay $150 just to have a, a little show-off session of my meat locker. I would love to see that, personally. Um... All right, enough about my baseball card uh, obsession, hobby. Yeah, let's get into some uh, deep dives here. Uh, Shrubsy, do you want to kick it off with your deep dive here? Yes. Uh, I want to take you guys back a little bit, uh, back a little time, back to a better time, back when baseball was fun and good and cool and Shohei Otani was striking out Mike Trout. Yes, I'm talking about the World Baseball Classic. But it's it's worth bringing up again, by the way, how how oh God, I almost dropped an F-bomb. How cool. How freaking cool the, uh, was the WBC, guys? <laughs> how how hecking <laughs> cool was the WBC? That's a question to both the people at home and to Jordan. Like, I, I missed that. That was a good time. You know what I miss? I miss when you actually swore so I could have something to bleep out on the podcast. <laughs> but anyways, I, it's been it's been a long time since I actually dropped a legitimate swear. Since you said a f- uh, accidentally. <laughs> 
yeah since i said a heck uh so the uh the wbc was home to plenty of stars showing out like who can forget playoff randy remembering that he could be good outside of the playoffs uh trey turner going absolutely nuclear uh mastaki yoshida giving us a preview of what we could expect this year and uh you know shohei doing shohei things lots of stars showed out during the wbc and lots of role players showed that uh you know in in a in competition like this they could kick it up a notch but do you know jordan do you well i I mean you know because it's who i'm about to talk about but uh the the guy who led the entire tournament in ops was edward julian i was gonna say for the for the sake of this question i will pretend that i don't know who you're talking about (laughs) Yeah, like 47 different players cleared a thousand OPS in the tournament because, you know, lots of stars, some questionable pitching for some teams, uh, a lot of small sample sizes. But Edward Julian had an 1821 OPS in the tournament. Which was higher than the second place finisher on this particular leaderboard by over 300 points. And. This wasn't my first exposure to Julian. I, w- I was already aware of him, but I'd be lying if I said that this his WBC performance didn't get me absolutely hyped for his MLB debut, which was sure to come this season at some point. Last year in double A, Julian walked 19.3% of the time while hitting 300 to put him at a casual 441 OBP. Three very which, attractive figures, I would say. Yeah, I'm told that I'm told that a, a 441 OBP is pretty good. And while getting on base at that ridiculous rate, he also hit 17 home runs and stole 19 bases in just 508 plate appearances, which from a fantasy perspective, you love to see. I'm going to I'm just going to give you a, a, like a list of numbers here. These are his WRC plus figures across every level he has played at both minors and the majors. So for, for those who don't know, WRC plus is a number where 100 is, average, is right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And every point above or below a hundred is 1% better or worse than average. So like 120 WRC plus means you are 20% better than the average player at that level. So these are his WRC plus figures for every level he has played in, in his professional career. 168, 144, 144, 137, 165. So he has literally never been less than 37% better than the league average at any level he has played at. That's from A ball up until the majors. That 167 WRC plus figure, that's right now. That's him in the major leagues. He is currently 67% better than the average major leaguer as a rookie. That's pretty good. Pretty good. In in his first 171 plate appearances in the majors, he's 67% better than the average hitter. That is really good. And I feel like people are not talking about this enough. Like, it's really flying under the radar how good he's been. He is currently seventh in baseball among players with at least 150 plate appearances up in that Mickey Moniac range. That elite Mickey Moniac range. <laughs> that elite Mickey Moniac Luke Rayleigh range. Uh at this point, I have talked about Julian six or seven times over the course of the year because I've been waiting for his power to show up. I feel like I've said that every time, like he's been good. The power should show up at some point, so he'll be even better. 
and he's going to start walking more, so he should be even better. Well, over his last 11 games, the power has shown up. He's got five home runs. Listen to this line. In the in the last 11 games, he is hitting 563, 611, and 1125. That's that's a slug over a thousand. And just because I recently got a stat head subscription that I need to justify, Julian just had a 10 game stretch that is literally literally the second best ever in the 120 year existence of the Twins organization by OPS. Second best ever. The only stretch that beats this stretch is when Nelson Cruz hit 11 home runs in 10 games with the super bounce ball in 2019. Now, is Edward Julian going to keep this up? No, of course not. Will he be remotely close to this good? Eh, probably not. But because he's seeing a lot of the same good luck indicators of as Mickey Moniak, last week's deep dive focus, he's got a 433 BABIP, he's got a 32% home run to fly ball rate, both of which are among the highest numbers in baseball. The difference, I think, between Moniak and Julian I th- is the plate discipline. Moniak avoids walks like the Angels avoid the playoffs, while Edward Julian has a near 11% walk rate. So his floor is a good bit higher. That OBP should still be good, regardless of uh, if his good luck continues or not. Some further good news is that in during this hot streak, Julian has a 22.5% K rate. That's stretching back to the start of July, which is significantly lower than his season-long number and closer to his minor league numbers. So hopefully this is an improvement that sticks and not something that'll... Hopefully he doesn't bounce back to the 30% strikeout rate we were seeing previously. I think Julian is actually like just Dan Ugla. Oh, yes. With like a a little bit less power. Oh. That, that's a fu- that, that's a fun archetype. We don't see many Dan Uglas anymore. Just, just like, just just like, sh- like I'm trying to like compressed Popeye. Yeah, but it's it's funny because he doesn't look anything like Ugla. I miss oh, I miss no. Dan Ugla. The man had no neck. But uh, he, funny enough, yeah. I feel like he is the perfect. Okay, this is very specific, and I'm probably just going to cut this up. He looks like a neck from Valheim. Don't ask me to explain <laughs> that. Anyways, sorry, there's also just like cars uh, revving their engines outside my apartment right now. So if you can hear that, I apologize, but continue. They're trying to get you to come out and race. They're trying to uh, compensate but, for their... Never mind. But this is a fun archetype of player that we don't really see that much anymore. A middle infielder with 20 plus home run power that takes plenty of walks, who is more of an OBP guy than an average guy. I feel like that's more of like an outfielder archetype or a, or a first baseman. But yeah, here we are with a second base, Edward, Edward Julian doing it. Uh, Julian's top end power is not what I would call elite, but he gets to his power frequently enough with a 45% hard hit rate and plenty of barrels. He pulls his fly balls, which we love to see, but he's also got four opposite field dingers, which is not something that I usually expect from a guy without elite pop. I I do think that Julian will be productive this year, even when he comes back down to earth. My biggest concern with him is the team he plays for. The Twins are a crowded team. And even 
with all the injuries they currently have, they straight up don't play him against lefties. We are now at eight straight benchings versus lefties and counting. Between that and Jorge Polanco's impending return, I'm just not sure that Julian continues to get playing time most days. I, he might even get sent back down to the minors, which I, I feel like is is insane given how well he's played. But they sent him back down a month ago when when Polanco came off the IL and he was playing pretty well, if if not this well. Yeah. As long as Byron Buxton has a stranglehold on the Twins DH spot, that's one less place for Julian to get plate appearances as well. The variance here is wild because you've you've got a player who's currently, you know, top 10 in the league by WRC plus, and he could be in the minors next week. He could comfortably be a top 100 hitter for the rest of the season, or he could dominate AAA. Like the 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 range of outcomes here is wild and it doesn't even really depend on how he plays. I don't know. I'm I'm banking on the talent here. I have Julian in my AL only home league, which is one of my which is probably my most important league, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm riding this insane hot streak and I'm hoping it can continue. I I love him as a high upside OBP runs, home run, stolen base threat. I don't think the average will be that good over the balance of the season, but it's been really good so far. Hopefully he can keep uh keep the ratios up too. Yeah, I love that. I mean, this is the type of person that I feel like for me in my home league. Like right now, I'm I'm in sell mode because I'm trying. I'm I'm out of the play or I'm out of the money uh in my home league, and I'm trying to acquire pieces for next year. There's a lot of guys like this that I'm really interested in acquiring. Um, and Julian feels like the perfect target if he's on like a team that's in the top three to five teams in your league and you want to trade into some future value, Julian's one because of his uncertainty and what his role looks like this year is someone that I really, really like. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to love here about uh, Edward Julian, and I think I would love to have him on any number of my teams, whether it be for the rest of the season or uh, as a keeper. Oh, I thought you were going to say it. It looked like you were going to say something, so I stopped. We're, we're we're doing things in a video medium uh, and we're doing things over video chat right now while recording an audio podcast, which is fun for the people at home. People love this. People. Love this. Uh, all right. Well, Vis- visual gags. Perfect. Well, uh, Shwebzy, thank you for your deep dive. We'll be right back after the sand break with my deep dive. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. 
But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're right back. So uh, I'm going to talk about someone that I feel like has kind of been overshadowed by, I mean, like four other names on their own team, even though they did start the season with the big league squad, uh, and that is Will Benson. So like, despite the call-up of like Ellie De La Cruz, the call-up of Christian Encarnacion Strand, uh, excellent rookies like Spencer Steer and Matt McClain, Will Benson has like sneakily been one of the most productive players on the Reds and someone that's been getting everyday played appearances over the past like month and change. Uh, he's been great. Trubsy, quick, quick uh, trivia question. Who was the opening day outfield for the Reds? TJ Friedel. Sure. Okay. Jake Fraley. Okay, that's that's number two. That's your. That's I'm not. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not confirming correct or incorrect. Sorry, I'm, I'm taking answers. Uh, okay. So you have, you, you've you've guessed two now, and then who do you think the third one was? And Will Benson. Okay, you got two right. Jake Fraley was not. What was he? Was he DHing? He might have been. He might have been DHing, but opening day, uh, I think it was right fielder Will Myers, who's now been released. Oh God, yeah. I've already forgotten about yeah, him. Unfortunately, I remember when everyone was very very high on Will Myers. Uh, yeah, he was a popular season. sleeper for a little yeah, bit there, having a resurgence in like a better ballpark, so on and so forth. But, anyways, uh, things haven't changed that much in the outfield. Like, obviously, Friedel is still there and performing fairly well. Fraley has been playing regularly and putting up good numbers. Will Benson has been awesome, but that's mostly since he returned from the minors. He got sent down after like two weeks at the beginning of the season, where he like I think he had one or two hits in the first two weeks of the season. Got sent down to AAA to get right. Uh, walked like 24% of the time in AAA and then got called back up. Um, since he returned from that brief and kind of dominant from an on-base percentage uh, perspective stint in AAA, he's been a monster for the Reds. So since he got called back up on May 21st, he's slashing 330, 434, 609 with a 174 WRC plus eat your heart out Edward Julian. Yeah, well, maybe he shouldn't have been so bad in April and he'd actually be above Julianne on the leaderboard for the season. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter for my time frame that I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to win my argument because I'm going to look it through my narrow scope. Arbitrary endpoints, baby. Arbitrary endpoints. Uh, but genuinely, I think the most impressive thing about Benson is that after that very slow start of the season and really like a less than stellar debut in 2022, he finally started living up to his excellent on-base bills that he on base skills, excuse me, that he displayed in the minors on a regular basis. Since being recalled, he, he's been walking at a 15.4% rate. Uh, he's been a perennial double-digit walk rate guy in the minors in, in his two previous stints prior to getting called back up. 
he was at less than 5% uh, in his two tries at the major leagues. So it's nice to see him actually live up to that potential. Uh, now, there has been a lot of batted ball luck involved in Benson's success so far. He's got a 405 BABIP since being called back up. Uh, but I will say that the rediscovery of his excellent on-base skills, along with the fact that he has like double-digit stolen base speed and double-digit power potential, it's a really unique blend that you do not see this widely available in leagues, particularly deep leagues. Um, I think that he, for me, is probably one of my priority pickups if he is available in your league. I don't think there's oh, easy. I don't think there's going to be any outfielders that you're going to find on your waiver wire that are going to be better to grab than Will Benson, especially rest of the season. Like even if he gets platooned, he's a lefty. He's going to be on the strong side of the platoon. There's no reason that you shouldn't have him on your squad if you have like five outfielders or more, even like in a 12-team league at this point. Um, I do want to throw just like a tiny bit of cold water on Benson. He lacks the top end exit velocity numbers we love to see. Uh, I think he's the type of the he's the type of guy that's going to barely crest double digit home runs every year. He's got six right now, I believe. He'd be on pace if he was playing for six hundred plate appearances, which he's not going to get to, obviously, for right around like. I think like 16 to 18 ish somewhere in there. Um, that said this year, he's been helped up by two things. Obviously like he plays in great American small park, otherwise known as, <gasps> um, get it. You get my joke because it's, it's on the, uh, the smaller side for, for baseball ballparks. Well, no, I call it <gasps> because it's great American small, small park. And that smells spells gasp. It's terrible. I love, I love when I have to explain a joke. It makes it so much that means it, <laughs> it makes that, it so much yeah, that, that means it was a good joke. <laughs> uh, that's you know what the, for the, the telltale like, sign of a good for joke. Like the two people that'll find it funny, you're welcome. Uh, so yeah, obviously playing in Cincinnati helps him immensely, but also he's got a career high barrel rate of ten point six percent right now. Uh, there's going to be some regression on the power front, and he's not going to maintain that probably, but. Even if that happens and the average ticks down over time, he's still going to be immensely valuable in OBP League specifically just because he gets on base so much. Uh, the only other thing that I'll say about Benson is that he's going to be buried at the back end of that lineup for the foreseeable future just because there is so much talent ahead of him. I mean, obviously, like all those names that I said at the top, I didn't mention Jonathan India. I didn't mention Joey Votto. Like, it's it's not going to be him hitting in any other spot aside from like maybe eighth or ninth for the rest of the season future years up for debate but it's uh yet to be seen on that front um that said i think that a guy with like three home runs three stolen bases and 18 runs plus rbis since july 1st with an average north of 300 he continues to put up those five category contributions uh someone like that in the sub 20 percent rostership pool isn't something to sneeze at he should be rostered in every 12-team league with five outfield spots and maybe even some with fewer outfield spots than that if you're desperate for help. Um, I, I have him in uh, the Pitcher List Legacy League, which is a standard league size, yeah. three outfielders. He's been fantastic. Uh, like, Yeah, he's not going to put up like elite power numbers, but again, stolen bases are going to be there. The runs are going to be there for sure. Uh, and again, even if that average ticks down, he's getting on base enough to provide value in at least two other categories. So... I'm all over Will Benson if you're able to get him in any of your leagues. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about him for weeks. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's about time we did it. I'm surprised that we hadn't done a deep dive on him yet. Kind of blows you know, my mind. I, I'm, the, the surprising thing to me is that he's not over 20% yet. Like this, he's just, he's been so good for months now. Is that like between ESPN and Yahoo? Is that like 7 or 8%? Something like that? It's wild. So surprising. Yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's it for my deep dive. We'll be right back after this second ad break with another set of league-wide roundups. All right, and we are back. So let's start off with the NL East uh, Schwabzi. I'm going to kick it off with Miami uh, and talk about Garrett Cooper real quick. So it feels a bit repetitive to be hammering on Cooper as much as we have. And while the power has tapered off as of late, the bat has continued to perform in the batting average department. He's been hitting 298 since the start of July. I think I'm still in on Cooper, obviously. Be nice to see that power uh, tick back a little bit, but in the meantime, he's not going to hurt you necessarily. He's still batting in a premier lineup spot, so kind of all over that. Uh, I think that's all we had, actually, for Miami, though, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, we get to do your favorite section of the week, Shwebzy, and least favorite section, which is the per, uh the oh, the perennial the uh the regular New York Mets beat uh I'm gonna let you take it away here. I wish this could not be the perennial New York Mets beat. Sorry, you put the beat in New Wait. York Mets beat. <laughs> the Mets put the beat in. Met, uh. <laughs> uh, uh, so Brett Beatty, Bam-a-lam. we might be having. <laughs> Whoa, Brett Beatty. Uh, we might have some signs of life here. He hit home runs on back-to-back days against the Chicago White Sox. And frankly, just hitting it, seeing him hit fly balls two days in a row is exciting to me at this point. This stretch puts him back on my radar as a stash, but I would not want to be starting him anywhere just yet, not with the way he's been striking out lately. But uh, before those home runs, I was ready to I, I was ready to say that he could benefit from some time in the minors. So I, I'm backing off from that a little bit. I'm I'm hoping that he can uh, parlay those home runs into some, you know, better production going uh, down the stretch. And then there's Mark Vientos, the other Mets third base prospect, who is back in the majors thanks to Starling Marte's injury, migraines, I guess. Uh, He is sitting in his first game back in the majors, which is not what you want. He still has elite power potential, but you cannot hit dingers from the bench, which is uh, you know, fun fact you guys may or may not know. We have to see what Buck does with his playing time. I'm not optimistic because they have generally not seemed inclined to give Vientos a lot of playing time this year, but maybe after the trade deadline, some plate appearances will open up. And speaking of the trade deadline, just something to monitor the Mets closer situation could suddenly become very murky. If the Mets enter sell mode, that would likely mean no more David Robertson. That would likely mean no more Adam Adovino, which would leave, I guess, Drew Smith as the closer, or maybe more likely Brooks Raley, because if the team is bad, it's not going to matter if they have a lefty specialist or not, I guess. I would be very into Brooks Raley as a closer. I would not be that into Drew Smith as a closer. We'll see how this breaks down with the trade deadline looming. Fair enough. I'm trying to think that 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 felt very broadcaster to me. What felt very broadcaster? That that delivery. I I think I think I just hit a new level of like baseball podcaster. Yeah, you sound you sound you sound just like Keith. We'll see where we're at with the trade deadline looming. 
Back to you, Jordan. Thanks, Schwebsy. Let's go to the Philadelphia Phillies and talk about Christopher Sanchez. Uh, no, okay. So his ERA uh, so far has been great. He's got a 305 ERA. The whip is minuscule at 1.05 thanks to an excellent walk rate. He just doesn't walk hitters, really. Uh, and even though the strikeout stuff for Sanchez leaves quite a bit to be desired, I really think that he is worth the roster spot in deep leagues as a streamer versus weaker offenses specifically. I mean, I'm not going to freewheel and run him out there every single start. I'm going to eye up matchups as they come, but I think that he has his uses as a streamer beyond like his first true blow up whenever that does happen. Um, I personally really, really like him, and he's been on my TGFBI roster for a couple weeks now, and he's been fantastic, so definitely all over him. Um, let's go to Washington, Trubsy, and talk about uh, a, a situation that's a bit disappointing for both of us. Oh, I am devastated that preseason favorite of mine uh hunter harvey is on the il with some vague elbow thing that sounds pretty alarming because that means kyle finnegan is back who which no one is excited about unless you are truly desperate for saves and he happens to be on your waiver wire yeah i don't like that particularly i mean we both are definitely not fans of finnegan um man that's such a bummer finnegan finnegan be mid again be finna be minigan finna be mid again <laughs> something like that i can't talk tonight at all gosh uh anyways let's uh oh does anyone here remember alex call i feel like jay leno y'all heard about alex call i heard about this alex call though uh uh i feel like we touted him as like a really solid on base play earlier this year when his walk rate was like exorbitantly high uh i think the first month so the first month of the season he had a 14.7 percent walk rate and a 363 obp which was like good i mean we were really about it um since that point uh he's been pretty anemic he's after the first month of the season he's hit 197 with a 276 obp uh that said over the past like 15 days he's hit three homers and he's also thrown in three steals so i guess if you're in a league where you can stomach the suspect batting average. He might be worth the play, but I mean, we I just got got done talking about Will Benson, and I'm way more in on Will Benson than I am Alex Call at this point. Oh god, so, yeah. I mean, th- th- not even this close. is like 15 team, five outfield type territory where you'd be thinking about Alex Call, and that even to me, that's kind of a stretch. So, uh, and Shrubsy, what about Patrick Corbin? I'm generally out on Corbin, like conceptually. But he does get Colorado at home, and then he gets the Mets on the road in a two-start week. So if you're feeling frisky uh, or or desperate, uh, yeah, I, I don't really trust him, but the matchups don't get a whole lot better, especially if the Mets are in sell mode at that point. Oh, actually, I just realized, too, Christopher Sanchez, two-start week, Baltimore at home, and then uh, in Pittsburgh. Baltimore is scary Baltimore's right now. Baltimore is a very scary one, but I think I might risk that one just for that Pittsburgh start. Just because I'm already so far behind in TGFBI, I don't think it matters that much. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to the NL Central. Um, and Jamison Tyone, the Cubs. Uh, Tyone's an interesting case, but I'm still out on him personally. Aside from his recent start, he gave up a single hit, uh, striking out four over eight scoreless innings pitch. Um, he's only had two starts this year where he's given up fewer than three earned runs. Um, both FIP and XFIP suggest that he's been a tiny bit unlucky. Uh, that said, though, the BABIP that he has right now is completely within reason. And 
the barrel rates that he's been giving up are the highest of his career, along with like pretty excessive like fly ball and hard hit numbers. I think I'm just personally out on Tyone. I don't think I want to buy on him at all. Um, I don't know. There were some changes. I, I think we talked about this maybe even just last week uh, mm-hmm. about how our buddy Mikey Ahedo was excited about Tyone and potential changes that he had made coming into this year, but I just don't think I'm into it. Which is fair. Yeah. I mean, he he needs to show it for a little bit longer before I jump back like in. more than one start. But yeah, yeah I, but this is another one where if you if you were desperate for a starter, like for example, I am in my NL only league where the the waiver wire is is so barren. This is the kind of pitcher that you might take a chance on. You he know, St. Louis twice for his next two starts. One on Sunday, and then next Saturday. So they, uh, yeah, and that could go either way. They are very Jekyll and Hyde offense. So I think I'm probably fading Tyone though. Um, or what about Mike Talkman Schwabzi? Talkman has been, sh- I, I guess, shockingly productive for the Cubbies. Uh, he shows, and he's not really showing any signs of slowing down. He's got a couple of home runs, uh, a 360 OBP, and 23 runs in RBI since the start of July. He's kind of been like a poor man's Brandon Nimmo out there, and like I don't think he's getting that lucky. Like I, I this might be legit. He might just he might be like a. I, I God, what would you call like a top eighty outfielder in baseball, which means he's rosterable in five in, in five outfielder leagues. That's kind of crazy to think about. Top eighty, yeah, yeah. He'd be like a like. Yeah, I mean, I guess like he he, he be, like a bench outfielder. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, like he definitely belongs starting in the majors. Crazy, uh, yeah, that's dope. I love that. Uh, what? A, and then Patrick Wisdom, I think, was the other one that we had. Yeah, uh, we've seen two full seasons of what Patrick Wisdom does from him and it's pretty clear what he is at this point he's a power bat who's going to be a suck on your average um his home run pace for this year is kind of absurd like he's got a 43 home run for like per 600 plate appearance pace but he hasn't been healthy the entire year and he's getting bumped further and further down that order as the season is chugged along i mean you have guys like bellinger seeing a resurgence and pushing him further down that lineup i I think there's just better hitters in general in that lineup and he's going to be like a six seven eight hitter probably for the rest of the season. Um, if you really need home runs, sure, grab him. But I just don't think he's worth the uh, the pain that he's going to give you in the batting average department. Yeah, that's fair. That's kind of that's his MO at this point. He, he kind of is what he is. That April hot streak is is very far in the rearview mirror at this yeah, point. for sure. Uh, all right, let's go to Cincinnati. You get a couple names here. Uh, let's start with Christian Carnacion Strand. Yes, Encarnacion Strand is definitely rostered in over 20% of leagues already, comfortably, but this is just, you know, a PSA to check your waiver wire for him just in case, because he, he can in fact rake and seems to be the heir apparent to Joey Votto for when Joey Votto stops banging. And then on the pitching side of things, there is Graham Ashcraft. And I, I just wish that Graham Ashcraft would make up his mind as to whether he is good or not. He's got such an electric arm, but rostering him is wildly frustrating. Get this, from the start of the season through May 6th, he had a 2 ERA. And then over his next eight starts, he had a 12.82 ERA. That's over eight starts. And now in his most recent four starts, he has a 1.82 ERA. 
He's not as good as the good stretches, and he's not as bad as the bad stretch. But he seems incapable of being mid. He he seems to only be either really, really good or really, really bad. Uh, he's he's so streaky that he's tough to roster, and he's generally not getting you strikeouts even when he is doing well. At this point on on the whole season, it's been 10 good starts sandwiching eight really, really bad starts. If you want to take a chance on that coin flip or try to ride this current hot streak, like by all means, again, the, the, this is a, a desperation play, I think. Like I in that NL only league where there's just no good pitching available, that's the only league that I have him in because I, I kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I don't even know if it's like a I want to like stream him when he's not pitching at home. Like, I don't know what, what to do with him specifically. I don't know like what the rhyme or reason is to it. I mean, he's given up pretty much the exact same batting average home and away. He's given up a ton mo- more homers at home, obviously, because it's a more home run friendly park. So I guess maybe just limiting the long ball, it'd be safer to stream him when he's not pitching at home. I don't know. but. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I'm probably just beyond wanting the headache at this point and just would probably go elsewhere if I'm trying to stream someone. Um, all right, let's go to Milwaukee. Uh, I get my little fun section now. Uh, Hobie Milner. Uh, I like Hobie Milner. I don't think he's particularly valuable necessarily for fantasy leagues unless you just need like a reliever who puts up good ratios. Uh, the strikeouts really aren't there they're not bad but they're they're not as high as you want them to be if you want to have like a relief arm that you're rostering there's other more fun ones that we're going to talk about later that i think you would rather roster uh, i think that the only analysis that you truly need about milner is that he warms up to the first generation pokemon battle music when he comes in from the bullpen to pitch and that makes him really cool and if you want to roster people that are cool then that's why you should roster hopey milner <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> much it uh but yeah he gives us really few barrels uh the k rates aren't terrible they're not exceptional um and low ratios so not the worst bullpen arm but i don't think he's as exciting as other arms such as uh abner uribe who i (laughs) i love i love (laughs) abner uribe folks the notes under abner uribe are just it's the words maniacal laughter Uh, there it is. There's your cue. Uh, I love it. He's got a 70 grade fastball and 70 grade slider, uh, according to uh, Fancraft's uh, prospect reports. I mean, he's disgusting. He pumps 100 mile an hour heat. He's got a slider slash cutter that is like 91, 92. Like he's absolutely filthy. He's so fun to watch. He's so energetic on the mound. Um, he's not going to be closing games right now. Obviously, Devin Williams is the closer in Milwaukee. He's fantastic. Um, I do think that he's going to be pitching high leverage innings for like years to come. Like his stuff is just way too good. Uh, I do think that we're due for some regression in terms of his walk rates because he has only walked one batter in 4.1 innings so far in the majors after having a, let me check here, um, a 7.88 walks per nine in triple a short stint, but uh, between double A and triple a, it was definitely North of six. So we could probably see him have some blowups here and there, but his arm is very electric. He's so fun. The K rates are going to be exceptionally high. They're going to be north of like 13, probably. I mean, yeah. If you want a fun arm that's got really high K per nine rates, then Abner Uribe would be a fun one to grab. Uh, all right, let's go to St. Louis. Uh, Schwabzi and Alec Burleson. Yeah, so they have 
uh, Saint, the St. Louis Cardinals have two players who kind of fall in the same bucket for me in Alec Burleson and Lucan Baker. They neither of them plays every day right now, but they might be solid trade deadline stashes or just people to keep an eye on in case of a trade. Uh, players to jump on the moment you hear about uh, I don't know like Dylan Carlson or Tyler O'Neill getting traded or whatever mm-hmm. like if, if a move gets made these guys will probably be worth rostering yeah dig that uh, I just realized that I was supposed to write a write-up on Luke and Baker and I did not good job it's okay good job, me. I, I didn't I didn't forget just getting roasted by my co-host live on recording I, I I would never, I would never roast He's you, ruining. buddy. Don't, don't lie to these kind of nice people that are listening to our podcast publicly. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. There you go. Uh, don't, please don't <laughs> drag me in public. I can't take it. Uh, all right, let's go to the NL West and talk about, uh, let's start with Arizona Schwebzy and Kevin Ginkle. Is, is he the new closer? They're eighth of, the, I don't know. They're eighth of the year. Maybe I don't know. Kevin he, Ginkle, he you two... are the new closer for the Arizona <laughs> Diamond. I almost said Cardinals. I don't know. It's like being it's like being the drummer for Spinal Tap. <laughs> uh, Good pull. So Good pull. maybe maybe he's the new closer. I don't know. He's got two saves in a row recently after Scott McGuff's most recent struggles. I, I he's slightly more desirable than Kyle Finnegan to me. Like, I think the skills are similar ish with the main difference being quality of team. I, I expect Arizona to win more games and have more save opportunities going forward than the Washington Nationals. So, yeah, in theory, Ginkle would be a better closer target if they, you know, if they both held that role yeah. for the rest of the year. I mean, year. I think they I think they inevitably end up trading for a relief arm. Yeah, I can I can absolutely see that. <laughs> David Robertson. Yeah, it could be something from the Mets. I mean, like, I know that people have been throwing up. I mean, everyone. They're, they're, they're so, everyone needs yeah, relievers. There's, there's so many teams that could obviously take on relievers, but I think they might be the ones that need them most at Maybe. this point. Yeah, like, they, they, might, they might be most uh, also, I, uh, motivated. Also, because this is obviously a visual medium, I just thought of a really good meme that I could do. You know the handshake meme? Shaking hands. Uh, Arizona closers. Uh, amp from Spinal Tap. Or number of Arizona closers amp from Spinal Tap goes to eleven, <laughs> because there's basically been that many. Like I don't know, man. I don't know who's going to get that job. I feel like they're going to trade for someone, and then that's going to be who their closer is. I don't know who they end up getting. It could be any number. There's so many names getting floated as possible trade candidates gonna... from bullpens all over the league. But Joe Joe Mantiply off the top rope. <laughs> uh, speaking of relievers, but, Justin. Yeah, Lawrence. here's one I actually here's one I actually like. Uh, fun fact: Justin Lawrence has only allowed four home runs in his entire career. Now, granted, that entire career is like a hundred and five or a hundred and ten innings. That's still incredible. But still, yeah, that's a really low rate, and I, I think that's likely due to his funky, uh, funky slot and filthy slider. Funky slot. Oh my god, I, that's that could have been phrased better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, leaving it in he's uh, let's go he's uh he's <laughs> funky arm slot. Name for the episode he's uh justin lawrence is pinch- pitching as consistently as he ever has and really he just continues to get the job done 
He hasn't had a FIP over four in any month this year. In in July, he's even stopped walking people as much, which is his biggest bugaboo. Uh, although that's likely more of a small sample size thing than a new skill. Uh, fact of the best, you know, the, long story short, I like Justin Lawrence the most out of the, the few closer candidates that we talked about today. Okay, I dig that. Um, all right, let's talk about, once again, why... I mean, okay, I get it. He was hurt, so this makes sense that he maybe dropped below 20% again, but Randall Grichuk is still rostered at a sub-20% rate, and I don't I don't get it. I still don't get it. I mean, he was dealing with a groin injury. Is back as of, I think, today, where he went one I mean, for four with I, a run scored. Yeah. As the season goes further and further along and he still has like barely any counting stats i understand it more and more i do but it's just like he was hurt from a good chunk of the season too and obviously like colorado is anemic as an offense as a whole i think like a a 300 hitter with power in the middle of the lineup playing every day is a better player in theory than grichik actually has been this year true yes he should be better than he is, is what yes. I'm saying. He should be better than he has been. Yeah, I think there's just not really been many people on base for him when he has been healthy and playing, which obviously doesn't help, Ooh. but yeah. Likely true. Um, bummer. And then you, I begrudgingly, I wrote like seven words, six words, excuse me, about this next person, and that's Austin Gomber. Yeah, and f- says, three it, of those words are no, no, and not. Correct. Said no, just no, <laughs> I will not. That's it. That's I I I no. I I I remember at one point I did a deep dive on Austin Gomber. In like our I first season. Won't get fooled again. Won't get fooled again. Anyways, um no. <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh let's go to the San Diego Padres and Trent Grisham Schwebzy. He's he continues to look really good. He said surprised. Uh it's a 148 WRC plus going back to June 15th with four home runs, six stolen bases, plenty of counting stats, and a 278 average, which is really, really high for him. He's like a, a probably like a 230 or 2 220 true talent hitter. So him hitting 278 is high. So like this is legitimate five category production for like five weeks now. And this is Grisham's upside. So let, let's see if he can keep it up. Ride it until it breaks. That's pretty yep. much what it is. It's it's the offensive version of a Vargas rule. IMO. But I mean he's looked you he has looked very, very good as of late. So I can I cannot uh knock it too much. Um all right, let's go to the last team in the NL West, and that is San Francisco and Luis Matos. The feel that he has for contact is just absolutely absurd. To come up as a rookie and have a K rate of just 10.4% while walking 7.5% of the time is kind of nuts. Just over 100 plate appearances so far. Um, moving forward, there should be an excellent average floor. I think he's hitting like 260 right now. I would expect that to tick up a little bit just because of how often he puts the ball in play. Um, and because of that, he's going to get on base a decent amount. The runs should be ample. Um, he should be fine rest of season, obviously, but I have a feeling that I'm going to be really, really in on him heading into next year because I am so just dismal at drafting batting average. And it feels like he could be like a cheaper, good option in that department. 
what one of my favorite qualities in a in a player is is when he has ample runs. And never mind. <laughs> it's, it's too soon to do a callback. Anyways, uh <laughs> Let's go to the AL, uh, start in the East and in Baltimore with Ryan O'Hearn. So I was happy with what we had gotten from O'Hearn before uh, when we first initially started talking about him, did a deep dive on him, um, and was expecting him to plummet at some point. But here we are. We're in mid to late July, and his average is still sitting north of 300. So what the hell do I know? Uh, His power has tapered off quite a bit from when we first talked about him, but he's been in the four hole in that lineup against right-handed pitching pretty much every time the Yosef faced one since early June. That's not going to change anytime soon, considering all of the call-ups that have happened. Obviously, he's not getting pushed out of that spot. So, I mean, still super in on Ryan O'Hearn. I mean, it's been a really, really nice surprise. Yeah, like a steady batting average is not what I expected from him this year. No. Steady anything is not what I expected. And speaking of unexpected contributors to the Baltimore lineup, I was so sure that the Aaron Hicks feel good story, and yes, it is a feel good story because the Yankees are the bad guys. Uh, I thought this story would end when Cedric Mullins got healthy, but Hicks continued to start most games after Mullins returned from injury. And wouldn't you know it, Cedric got hurt again. So Aaron Hicks is back to an everyday center fielder, probably. Since joining the Orioles, he's got a 270 batting average, six home runs, three steals. 24 runs and 20 RBI in roughly 150 plate appearances. So like a quarter of a season and that those numbers play in any five outfielder league. He's slowed down a bit, but he does have seven hits in his last five games, which hopefully is signaling the start of a hot streak. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm bummed out because I have Cedric Mullins in a couple leagues and seeing him go in the IL is a bit of a downer, but uh, we get to see more Aaron Hicks, and hopefully you can capitalize on that. Uh, all right, let's go to Boston and Cutter Crawford. Uh, I told folks last week, uh, after he had a really rough outing against the Rangers, to stick with him against the Cubs. And if you listened, you were rewarded. Uh, Crawford tore up the Cubs for nine strikeouts over six scoreless one-hit innings. Um, he didn't fare quite so well versus the Mets tonight, where the game got delayed by rain, which is probably fortunate for him. Um but that said, I still really do like Cutter Crawford, um, particularly as a streamer against weaker off- weaker offenses. So I'm definitely in on him in those situations. Um, yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah, I, I think he may have just not had it today because like he was getting beat up by Jeff McNeil and Daniel Vogelbach, who have been no- notable, pretty... notable sluggers, <laughs> no- notable 600 OPS guys. Yeah. So yeah, he like he he got to a two strike count on Vogelbach and just could not put him away until Vogelbach eventually planted one like four hundred feet into right field. Yeah. Uh, And then there is Nick Pavetta, who I I almost did my deep dive today on Pavetta because he's been so incredible lately. He's generally been a starter in recent years, and he's been hit or miss in that role. But this year, as a reliever, he's really come into his own. He hasn't given up more than two earned runs in an outing, which is, you know, not super impressive for a reliever, but it is impressive for a bulk reliever, which he has been. And going back to this is this is going back to May 21st. And in that time frame, 
he has struck out 52 batters in 35 innings, which is like, you know, an elite reliever K per nine numbers there. And he also has a 2.31 ERA in those 35 innings. That insane stretch was capped by an even more insane four appearance run recently in his last 18.1 innings. He has 34 strikeouts, which is good for a 16.69 nice K per nine and is notably a, a, a good strikeout rate. This weekend, he's going to be piggybacking against the Mets, and I will be running him out there in a couple of leagues because I don't trust the Mets to uh, string together hits against a, a pitcher who's really pitching at the top of his game. Yeah, that seems fantastic. Uh, I do not have Nick Pavetta in any leagues, and I'm kind of bummed about it. I wish I had paid more attention to him before you brought him up. Uh, He's probably not available for me in any of my leagues, at least in a timely enough manner to use him. Ah, So that's a bummer. Gotta gotta check. Yeah, but... uh, All right, let's go to New York Yankees, and I'm surprised you actually chose to talk about the Yankee here. Oh, I guess I I did claim my players to talk about first you're kind of a clark schmidt guy anyways uh, yeah I'm, I'm surprised you're talking about the guy that i forced you into talking about i winked i just winked. sorry <laughs> sorry podcast listeners i well, just winked at schwebzy via webcam visual cues audio medium uh i feel like i've been talking about schmidt all year and that's kind of because i i, I have and like you, all right so ideally he would go deeper into games <laughs> ideally he would strike out more batters But the fact is, he hasn't allowed more than three runs in a start going back to May 14th. And since May 14th, he's pitched at Colorado. He's faced Baltimore twice. He's faced Boston twice. He's pitched in Cincinnati in in the Gasp ballpark. Uh, And he's faced Texas. He's had a really legitimately tough schedule this year. And he's come out of it with an ERA like a shade over four. That's really not bad, especially for a young pitcher just getting bulk innings for the first time in his career. And yes, the strikeouts have ticked down over the course of the season, but he's been surprisingly reliable. the The whip is a bit high. It's it's, but you know, he's available in a ton of leagues. Clearly, he's not perfect. And looking back here at, let's see. So the last start that he gave up more than three earned runs in was against the Rays on May 14th, right? Since then, like from that start to the to his most recent, or sorry, from the start after that to his most recent start, 2.83 ERA. Yeah, that'll Pretty play. Pretty good. I mean, the, the FIP and the XFIP are much worse, um, like a full run worse. But, I mean... Yeah, I, I will. T- I, I will take even with a little bit of luck a two point eight three year. Even like the three, if he had a three point eight eight ERA and I had him rostered on my TGFBI team this whole time, my ERA would be better than it is right now. <laughs> so I would love that personally. Um, but yeah, uh, all right. Let's go to the AL Central and talk about Jake Berger once again. Uh, he's kind of he kind of went through a rough patch a little bit. He's still hitting the ball really really hard when he does make contact. Uh, all five of his hits in the past week have been for extra bases. He has three doubles and two home runs. Uh, but that's over a much larger sample of plate appearances. And that's, I mean, it's just a really good encapsulation of what Jake Berger is and what he can be for your team, which is kind of an empty power bat. 
he's gonna nuke your average most likely but all right i i have a question if jake burger was a burger what burger would he be baconator Baconator. i I have that's what i was gonna say (laughs) great minds baby one of great minds or one brain cell fast food lasagna from epic meal time (laughs) you remember that video remember that remember that early internet that's from like 2009 2010 he's he's one of those hideous casseroles that you occasionally see a, a someone in the midwest man you old, can say it it's fine I yeah i grew up in that sort of house oh my god and see, he's roasted by mother on this podcast oh no uh, hopefully they don't listen they don't know they, <laughs> they don't they don't care um I was going to I was going to say a, a one of those TikTok casseroles that you see a, a white make on TikTok, but I did not mean a a white as in your family. Still still accurate. Still <laughs> accurate. Uh, all right, let's go to Cleveland and uh, talk about Logan Allen or Schwebs. Yeah, his next two starts are against Kansas City and the Chicago White Sox. Uh, matchups do not get better than that. You want to start Logan Allen. That That's He's it. Very good. Uh, on the other side of the battery, uh, Bo Naylor. I'm kind of out on Bo Naylor. Like, he isn't getting everyday playing time. He's striking out nearly 30% of the time and not walking that much. I think, if, as far as, like, going and searching for a second catcher, I think that there are better options out there, personally. I don't know. I just don't think, we, think that we've seen enough from Bo Naylor so far. I th- I think there's more in the tank but yeah. I, I do want to see yeah, it i'd rather see it first i mean like if it's a redraft league especially like i'm not going to try to grab them but i feel like that are more there are more reliable catchers out there uh in terms of production but uh all right let's go to detroit uh Shrubsy kick it off with carrie carpenter I, this is one of those players who kind of like jose siri i feel like i'm going to wind up just talking about every week because nothing has changed he's playing regularly he barrels the ball regularly. He could hit 25 home runs and he didn't even start the year like playing all the time. It's it's like, I mean, he's probably like he, he could match Jake Berger in home runs for the rest of the year with like a significantly better batting average. Yeah. I This is another one where I don't understand why he's not rostered in more leagues. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um I'm trying to think. I'm try, I don't know if he's actually available in my auto, one of my auto new leagues. He might be worth looking at because I don't know what. Well, I guess I don't know what his uh, prospects look like for next year in terms of how much playing time he'd actually get. But I guess that's beside the point. Um, uh, Reese Olson is a name that I have here. He got roughed up today against the Padres. I gave like he gave like seven hits. I think five earned runs. He's been okay here and there against weaker offenses. I don't mind him as a streamer against offenses like that. I think the upside here is that he really limits free passes, so he's really solid for your whip. There's a lot of guys that you're going to stream off the wire that are giving up a ton of walks, and they have a lot of dinks that way. And it can kind of be a bummer because uh, it's also not just hurting your, your ERA. It's going to hurt your whip too, but he usually won't hurt you there. Uh, also, if you're not giving up free passes, the home runs that you do give up, usually lead to few, fewer uh, runs given up. So um, I think he can limit the damage enough to be like a reasonable streamer against weak offenses. Yeah. All right. And elsewhere in the rotation, 
We've got default all-star Michael Lorenzen. He's been legit pretty good. He has. He has. He had a little bit of a rough patch, but he had to face Colorado in Coors Field. He had to face Atlanta, and he had to face Arizona, which is a trio of pretty rough matchups. When faced with normal conditions and normal baseball teams, he's generally been excellent this year, as evidenced by his recent three-game scoreless streak. He gets the Angels next, which is a little bit iffy, but after that, it's Miami, and it's all systems go there. Is he... Sorry, excuse me. Oh, is he... uh? in los angeles for that one or is it in detroit i think it's in detroit but let me let me verify if it's in that. los angeles i'm a little bit more iffy about it if it's in detroit then i'm kind of like sure why not it's actually at home okay. so that might not be too bad then uh yeah and then the miami one i'm into as well um that that is in miami which is another pitcher's yes. park uh yeah i dig that two more good starts for lorenzen then um all right, and then the last name for Detroit was Matt Manning. So he followed up the combined no-hitter versus the Jays with a really solid outing versus the Royals in Kaufman, where he gave up just four hits and 5.2 innings pitch. He also put up a zero in the walk column in that start, which is awesome. Love to see that. He's continued to be pretty fortunate in the BABIP department, despite giving up a decent amount of hard contact. I think that there's going to be some regression coming here soon. Uh, I need to look. I actually didn't look at this, uh, what his probable start starts are it looks like he would be getting tomorrow he gets the padres so maybe that's it Mm -hmm. and then he would also pitch in that la series while missing miami so maybe not the best starts lined up for him so i think i'm probably fading him yeah san diego's been rolling lately looking very very good so i'm probably out on him this weekend probably for his next start against the angels as well um and then you can kind of re uh, reanalyze from there and see what you want to do. But Matt Manning just bums me out. Like, remember when he was a prospect and it was like, oh, he's got such an elite fastball. And then he hit the majors and it's like, OK, this guy throws 93. Yeah. Yeah. Real I think a lot of it for him, too, was like command. He was like a command guy as well. Like he was touted for how well he like was able to locate all of his pitches. But it's just like none of the stuff is particularly impressive. So, yeah. Um, and. Also, his his like his pitch usage has stayed pretty steady over over his brief career, his three his three year career now. So it's like there's not a lot of experimentation happening. He's using his curveball a little bit more, but like his curveball isn't like a super elite offering. Like that's actually his worst pitch this year. I'd be curious to see if there's been any changes. Like obviously there's other things you can change in terms of just outside of your usage. Hey, whether it's like. Quick quiz. Yes, what's up? Jordan, what do you think the whiff rate on Matt Manning's curveball is? How many have been thrown? 114. 4.7%. 9.3, okay. which is bad. Yeah. Bad, just not as bad as your yeah. guess. I thought it was going to be, like, absurd. Um, that is absurd. 9.3 is, is absurd. I mean, does he throw it a lot as like a as like a first pitch get me over strike? I wonder. Maybe I'm 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 looking at it now. Um, let's see. He throws it in the zone more than yeah. He throws it in the zone really really regularly. Well, that makes sense then. Um, yeah. His swing his swinging strike rate on his curveball is eighth percentile for baseball. So yeah, among among the league's worst. Oof. 
not a fan not a fan of that one um but it it does get a lot of uh does get a lot of called strikes yeah. i've Makes I think sense. It's probably like a first pitch steal a strike type thing for him. Yeah, th- this looks like more of an intent thing, but it's still bad that it it never gets waved yeah. at. Bummer. Uh, all right, let's go to Kansas City and Alec Marsh. Uh, so he got absolutely crushed tonight versus the Yankees. He gave up three home runs and five point one innings pitched. Uh, he's now got fourteen earned runs and twenty point one innings pitched. I don't really feel comfortable recommending picking someone like Alec Marsh up, even after he had that start against the Rays where he struck out 11. Um, it feels like two... The Rays have been iffy yeah, lately. Especially, yeah, especially in the strikeout department. So, like, I, I can't comfortably recommend picking someone like him up at such a vital point in the season for so many teams. I'm passing on him. I'm not really interested. Typically, I'm not really interested in Kansas City pitchers in general. Um, Yeah. So I'm fading that. Uh, let's go to Minnesota and Trubsy Alex Kirilov. Kirilov is an interesting one. Like he's got the prospect pedigree. Like no, like he was given a 60 hit tool and a 60 raw power combo by Fangraphs, which is you know a nice place to start as a young power hitter. But and, and he ha- he has been on a serious heater lately. Like he's been really good. But I'm not impressed by his underlying metrics and. I don't know. It, it's it's always possible that he's the kind of hitter that can be good in spite of underwhelming metrics like a Michael Conforto, but th- that kind of needs to be proven over time. I'm, I will ride this hot streak. He's worth rolling out as a corner infielder right now, but my like thoughts on his future as a productive player are kind of like in flux right now. Yeah, I mean... As far as corner infielders go, I don't know if there's necessarily many better options out there. Like, I'm literally just scrolling through the rest of the folks that we've talked about, and there's maybe one or two that I would consider going to before him. Like, I would probably go to Beatty right now. Uh, Garrett, maybe, Garrett maybe, Cooper as yeah. a corner infielder, I would probably go to before Alex Kirilov. That's a definite for me. Um, So he's, like, up there. I don't. Man, that's a hard one. He is walking 10% of the time, which you that love to help. see. And that's a lot more than he's walked in his previous stops in the majors. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's that's something to to keep in mind and monitor. And if that's if that keeps up, then it becomes much more attractive to me. Um, but yeah, I think I'd definitely take Cooper over him right now. Um, but I do like it as an option, obviously, with Miranda um, out in the meantime. He'll be a solid option. Uh, all right, let's go to the AL West mm-hmm. and wrap this bad boy up. Uh, I'm going to start with Yaner Diaz. So it's the second time today, funny enough, that Diaz has sat in three games, and he's only started four of seven since the All-Star break after he's played in 13 straight games prior to that. Um, I'm a bit concerned about his playing time here, although they have faced three le- straight lefties, so that might be a factor in why he hasn't played as much. He has been sitting against lefties on occasion, um, so maybe that's part of it. Um, not really sure uh what's gonna happen there. So just keep that in mind and monitor that to see if his playing time ticks back up. Uh, and then Brandon Belak, Schwabzi. Yeah, last time I talked about him, I mentioned how unimpressed I was by him. So then he went ahead and beat the Rockies in cores while striking out four and walking three. Please make this make sense. I I don't get it. He had like an O seven seven bad for that game against him. 
Uh, I'm still not buying this. It feels like just a streak of obnoxiously good luck for free Bialik. Yeah, he is. I mean, walk, walk, giving up three free base runners and having such a minuscule BABIP in cores, it just screams lucky. Yeah, I'm also not particularly interested in that one. Uh, and I, I've just checked myself. It's Belak. Yeah, Brandon Belak. Um, all right, let's go to the Angels, Schwebzy, and talk about Chase Silseth to kick it off. So Silseth, for for those unaware, was a pretty highly rated prospect coming into this season, and the Angels have been mostly using him as a reliever this year. So this was his second start of the season, and he casually struck out 10 Yankees in, in what was a pretty eye-opening performance. There's we, we talk about all the time how there's not generally a lot of strikeout upside on waiver wires, so Silseth is definitely someone worth keeping an eye on. He gets Detroit next, which is a definite start for me. But his uh, his the start after that is at Atlanta, which is obviously a a very hard pass. Yeah, not super into that one. Um, but yeah, I I would definitely throw him out there against Detroit. Um, I honestly completely off my radar that he had ten strikeouts against the Yankees. I did not. I did yeah. not even yeah, realize he, that he happened. was. Yeah, he was amazingly good against the Yankees and their powerhouse offense with like Branchy Cordero and Billy McKin- McKinney. Uh, William and yeah, old William McKinley, <laughs> the corpse of William McKinley, uh, laid in the batter's <laughs> box. Uh, but uh, and then in the batter's box, Zach Nito just continues to be good at baseball. You know, he's a real, real lunch pail guy. Knows oh, the grindstone kind it. of player. Big, big fan. Absolutely not. No, he he <laughs> he is legitimately good. Uh. He hit his eighth home run today, and he's got eight home runs and five stolen bases in basically a third of a season as a 22-year-old, very fresh out of college. That's pretty good. One of the best indicators for future success is having success at a young age in the majors. He's adjusted much more quickly than I think anyone expected, and the Angels really might have a keeper on their hands here. I dig it. Now they just need to get uh, some good, other good prospects uh, in a trade for Otani to bring in. And uh, if if only if only they had a star or two to compliment uh, Zach Nito. God. Anyways, uh, let's go to Oakland. Uh, JP Sears. He kind of got crushed tonight, but it was the Astros. So I don't put thanks, Kyle yeah, Tucker. Three home runs for Kyle Tucker. Get out of here. Uh, I don't put too much stock in it because the Astros. You're probably not starting him here anyways if you had a brain. That was really mean. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I started him. Um, well, I don't feel bad because it's you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's still. I'm still more than happy to uh, take Sears in a solid like streaming spot. I just. I'm going to be much more particular on when I deploy him, uh, but I do still like him a decent amount. Uh, Shrubsy, what about Luis Medina? Medina is one of those guys that I feel like I look at every week as a potential person to talk about on this podcast, and I generally wind up not going for it. He kind of forced me to say something with his recent 15 strikeouts over two starts against Boston, but I I think I'm pretty much in the same place as I have been. I would only stream him, A, in the most favorable of matchups, and B, ideally at home. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's pretty much any Oakland pitcher. It's kind of they're all in the mm-hmm. same boat at this point. I think obviously JP Sears is the best of the bunch. 
but yeah, kind of rough, kind of rough out there. Um, and then lastly for Oakland, Tony Kemp, he continues to rake. He's got, he had two more hits tonight, uh, pushing his average to just over 300 since the calendar turned to July. He's also got six steals so far this month, uh, which is more than half of his season long total. So if he continues to hit for a solid average, he's going to be a really good addition if you need stolen bases too. uh, Kemp's been great as of late. Yeah, big Kemp big guy. guy. Uh, all right, then going to Seattle, the only one we have here is uh, Matt Brash. Hey, do you like strikeouts? Then you should like Matt Brash. I feel, I mean, we've talked about Brash a couple different times on the podcast between this year and last year. Uh, he's got a K per nine of nearly 16 on the season. Uh, that's good. For reference, that, that's pretty good. Um, also, fun fact about Matt Brash, in 16 of his 47 appearances this year, he's recorded all of the outs in that appearance by strikeout. That's kind of wild. That's a really cool stat. That's a very, very fun and cool stat. It's just absurd to me. And I... I wonder if there's anyone who could, like, hold a candle to that. Like, maybe, like, Felix Bautista. Oh, Bautista has to have just as... I'm, I'm literally going to look right now. <laughs> well, while you're doing that, uh, I'm going to wrap this up with the last player we're going to talk about today. Travis Jankowski. He has started eight straight versus righties. He is not really playing versus lefties, but he's got a 175 WRC plus in July. And he achieved his previous sky high WRC plus by walking a lot and making a lot of contact. This month, he's not even walking. He is simply slap dicking his way to production right now. He's not walking. He's not striking out. If he continues to not walk, I'm less interested in him. But right now he has a 400 plus average and six steals in July. And he's playing most days in the best lineup in the league. I, he, you kind of have to play him right now. I, I added him in like two leagues and I'm, I'm shocked that I've added Travis Jankowski in multiple leagues this year where I'm trying to win. We always talk about them like right, the least hit. expected names. Near the end of the year. That's what we do, baby. There's always some really weird ones near the end of the year. Or like after the All-Star break, I should say. Okay, so uh, Matt Brash, 16 of 47 appearances with all the outs recorded by strikeout. Felix Bautista, 12 of 44. So Brash has a higher percentage and a higher number in general. Oh, look at that. Pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Um, But yeah, that's the end of Fun Facts with Jordan and Schwebzy. And that's the end of this week's episode of In the Deep. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, If you like the show and you want to follow us and keep in touch, feel free to follow our shared podcast account on Twitter. That's at in the DPL at Gmail. God, I just said the email. Oh, God. Here we go. (laughs) Okay, let's try it again. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at our shared podcast. Oh, my God. I can't do it. I'm dying. At our shared podcast account at in the deep PL on Twitter. Or you can email us at in the deep pl at gmail.com you can follow jordan at bunt singles you can follow me at schwebzi s-h-w-e-b-s-i uh that you can follow me on oh my god on twitter on blue sky on threads i i have it i have them all right now i just have twitter and blue sky i, I, I hate i hate it blue ski all blue ski i'm deleting send, my instagram too bye mark sending some skeets on the old oh, blue ski bye mark that's what i'm doing <laughs> uh anyways 
Bubsy, sign him off. Bye, friends. Mama threw up. <laughs> threw up in my mouth. <laughs> All right, I am hitting stop. <laughs>